This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're in there. Hello, microphone check. One, two, what is this? This is Talking Nets, episode 206. And the season that was is over. I feel relief, but I feel good. Uh, I feel good about where this team ended up, all things considered. You know me, and you know what I've been hoping for, and they did what I was hoping for. They made the playoffs, and the next piece of making the playoffs that I requested that these guys do is win a game. We're not going to do a playoff preview today. We're not going to talk about the X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's. That's coming up uh, later in the week. We'll tell you about it. We're just going to reflect and recap and think about the season that was in Brooklyn. Talking Nets, let's get it. Hit the music, Alex. Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn, Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets. Sorry for the delay. I'm expecting a baby any day now. Probably less than 48 hours away, uh, but not too much about that on this show. I'm just letting y'all know I'm in baby land in my mind. Um, and shout out to people still calling the voicemail. Y'all sure know how to hit last call. Uh, we're getting the voicemails loaded up. And uh, I'm probably stepping out of my full-time job Wednesday. Uh, so we had to get this podcast in. There is a potential for two cross collab podcasts with Sixers podcasts. We won't let you know too much about that because we're going to lean on probably Hudson and Robin to do those spots and do those pods. Let's welcome in Hudson Flynn right now. What's up, Hudson? Man, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to compete with the uh, I'm about to have a kid intro obviously <laughs> you know regular life regular stuff robin robin literally is not on this episode right now because he's on spring break with his kids like he took the week off before the playoff start uh to spend time with his children i think he said he was at sesame place today like that's where i'm headed uh shout out to etn in the uh chat appreciate it you're 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 i see everybody in the chat what's up appreciate it uh just regular stuff back to hudson yeah, I'm happy though. I mean, after the season that was, and obviously we'll get into all the the things that it was, right? But man, the Brooklyn Nets are going to the playoffs to be talking on Monday, April 10th about playoff basketball and about hopes for playoff basketballs and about expectations for playoff basketballs, thinking all the way back to all the nonsense we've had to deal with this season. It feels Something short of miraculous, but but amazing nonetheless. It's just amazing to have this Nets team show the fight that they did, show the growth that they did, and to put themselves in a position where they're making the playoffs and we might be able to do something interesting in these playoffs. Maybe the expectation shouldn't be a win, 
but we're in a good situation with your Brooklyn Nets, and I'm certainly happy about it. <laughs> in the chat, Alex Gonzalez writes, Mikhail Nicholas McPherson coming. Nah, uh, <laughs> my wife had the name for him before we even knew about Mikhail Bridges being the man in Brooklyn. I'll write the name in the chat. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's talk about Mikael Bridges, man. Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man. He's played 83 games this season in a league full of guys that don't play uh, because they load manage or they don't care. In a league full of teams that tank and rest guys in the middle of the season, and we just saw this past weekend a lot of that. Mikael Bridges refuses to sit. He can't sit still. When he got traded here, the first thing that stood out about him to me was that he was uncomfortable watching that first game. I forget what game it was, but he was in Barkley Center and he was with Cam Johnson and he was just, you could tell he was like agitated. He was like antsy because his streak got broken or he thought potentially his streak would get broken. Alex, our producer, said it was the Bulls game. Yeah, I was actually at that Bulls game. Thought we were going to lose that Bulls game without uh, the Twins and they won it. But yeah. Bridges is an Ironman. He plays 83 games this season, obviously because of the trade. He got an extra game in there and uh, doesn't mess up his, his streak, doesn't mess up his Ironman status. If anything, it builds on it because it's an 82-game season. He played 83, and yesterday in the game, um, he checked in for four seconds to keep his streak of 392 consecutive NBA games played alive. And that is the longest active streak in the NBA. So, I mean, I think he is the brightest spot with this team. But when you think about this season, this season started off with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons as the big three in Brooklyn, right? We thought it was going to be 7, 11, 10. We thought it was going to be, okay, Kevin Durant requested a trade. He took that trade off the table, that trade request. He bought in. And uh, Kyrie is available, no vaccination stuff, no mandate. He should be good to go. And Ben Simmons, after a year, almost two years of not playing, we thought he would be good to go. And, and look what happened. You couldn't count on any of those three guys. KD, I'll try to excuse for injury, but like he was hurt every single season as a Brooklyn net. You couldn't count on him. He, he got hurt again this year. Kyrie, we don't have to go back and forth about Kyrie. I think we've said enough about Kyrie. Everybody knows about why Kyrie wasn't available. And Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is the one stain on uh, Sean Mark's resume for me because some of the other moves, you know, it is what it is. And, and I felt like he had to make the deal and trades that he did with Katie and Kyrie at the time. But, uh, you know, Ben Simmons... Ben Simmons, I knew was going to be a headache. I knew he wasn't going to play. I knew if it wasn't uh, mental health, physical health, his his game just wouldn't be there anyway after missing so much time. So as I'm reflecting and I'm looking at this season that was, it's funny how we started off this year thinking KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons would be the new big three in Brooklyn, and it ended up being Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton, and Spencer Dinwiddie. But it's almost impressive that all, with all of that collapse and, and how far we theoretically, from a theoretical talent standpoint, have fallen, that the majority of Nets fans, 
now that we've lost all of the fans who have gone to the Mavericks, who have gone to the Suns, and good riddance to them, the majority of Nets fans are happy. The majority of the Nets fans are exciting, are excited about this team, are excited about the direction that we're going in. And you can't, you can't beat that. You can't beat excitement around a franchise, not dread. And it's hard to say that we felt anything as Nets content creators, as Nets fans, as people watching the Nets, other than dread when you're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and the season that they were having prior to the trade deadline. You knew, you knew, and we could all feel it, that it was always one iota away, one step away from the Nets completely falling apart. And it turned out to be, as everyone thought it would be, Kyrie Irving making us fall apart. And you see where that got him. It got him to Cancun. And Kevin Durant, for as much as you don't want to blame him for injuries, he left too. And he never played, frankly. So now we have a situation where we have a whole team full of Iron Men, and we have an exciting future. And one name that hasn't been mentioned yet, but fits within our big three is and fits firmly as a star, is Nick Claxton. And Nick Claxton's development this season has been absolutely unreal. The jump that he has shown from last season to this season and the way that he has capitalized on all, genuinely, generally, genuinely and generally all of the momentum he had last season and all of the hype and everything that Nets fans were feeling about him last season, he's capitalized on it. We can see the defensive switchability. We can see the mobility. We see the shot blocking. We see the, his expanded ability to score. We see that he's scoring a little bit away from the basket now. And when you think about this team and you think about the successes that we've had, it's impossible to separate them from Nick Claxton, who has been here the whole time. He didn't go anywhere. He, he didn't come from somewhere else. He came from Georgia. He came from the top of the second round. He was a Sean Marks draft pick. And here we are now as Nets fans able to watch him and watch this team blossom around him and go to the playoffs largely on the back of his successes. And when he is now about to go up against, arguably, I don't necessarily agree with it, but arguably the MVP uh, in the NBA, and he's going to be matched up against him all game. It's going to be exciting and thrilling to see uh, how he does because that's really going to be his his sink or swim moment. Everything for him is going to come down to that moment, whether he can show his chops, whether he can stay in the game, stay out of foul trouble against the MVP and you know, if, if he can stay on the floor and he can make an impact against the MVP and show that he does have the, the, the pedigree to be a defensive player of the year candidate, if not the winner, he's got a chance to make a statement and the Nets have a chance to do something in these playoffs. It's time. He said it himself. He had a post that said just simple as that. It's time. And I think any Nets fan understands what that means. It's time for him on the main stage to show the world who he is. What better opportunity does Nick Claxton have for the entire NBA world, for every fan that watches basketball, the first game coming up on Saturday at 1 o'clock, it's Claxton versus Embiid, the MVP. And Claxton, I think, feels a little more confident against Embiid just going off of playing this year. And I'm, I'm glad Ben Simmons isn't in, in the way because it would have been all Embiid versus Simmons Simmons has got to stop Embiid. I listen to Nets fans tell me that all year in the beginning of the year. Oh, well, who's going to stop Giannis? Who's going to stop Embiid? It damn sure isn't going to be Ben Simmons. It would have to be one Nick Claxton, who I also saw a clip of Spencer Dinwiddie talking about, hey, I said he was the most you know, skilled player, the most important player, something like that on the team. I got to watch the new episode of The Bridge. I saw Nets Kingdom put that out. But yeah, as we're reflecting on this season, 
this was the season for young Clax. This was the season for Nick Claxton to step into his own. He chopped the, the, the locks off, right? We were calling him Goldilocks for two years. He chopped his hair completely off. He locked in. He worked on his free throw shooting after the way last season ended. He worked on his conditioning after the way last season started and ended. Nick Claxton took a big step forward as the starting five of this team. That's what we expected him to be last year against the Bucs, and clearly he wasn't ready. This season was Nick Claxton's best season in Brooklyn, and he's looking to put an exclamation point on it in the playoffs. We'll we'll wait. We'll talk more about that. But I want to roll through just some of the titles of the episodes that we had here doing Talking Nets. And shout out to everyone in the chat. Big fan, Breezy, shout out to you, bro. I got all three of your voicemails. We can't play all three. We'll play the most recent one. But big fan, Breezy, in the chat says, I've been waiting for this show all week. Good to see you. And I, I already said, listen, I'm I'm going to doctor's appointments two, three times a week with my pregnant wife. We are having our son this week. And uh, life has been crazy for me, obviously juggling my own professional career, podcast, family stuff, Easter yesterday. Like, it's just a lot going on. So I know we only did one episode last week. Uh, we should be able to hit you guys with some more stuff, and I'll see what I'm able to do, what I'm physically here to do. But let's go back, right? So we we came together to do this podcast, right, with Robin joining us, and obviously Hudson and I have been here, but we got Hudson to come back. And I think I was around 160-some episodes uh, limping through last season on my own for the most part. So we started this season, episode 165, we're back. By episode 168, Steve Nash was fired, and Ime Udoka was the topic of conversation amongst Nets fans. We were all in on Ime Udoka. We were sure that he would be the answer. But uh, <laughs> not long after that, you know, um, uh, Hebrews to Negroes on Amazon, that movie got a lot of attention. Uh, right after that, that, that movie skyrocketed on the charts. I have no idea why. But uh, with, with all of that going on, we couldn't hire Ime Udoka to take over for your Brooklyn Nets. And, uh, you know, Kyrie gets suspended. So seven, episode 70, 171, Kyrie is suspended, and Nets start one and one on the road. So here we go, just a, a quick five, six episodes into this season, and Kyrie Irving was already out. Can't depend on him. Then it, it it bleeds into other things. The Nets are a mess. They get blown out in Sacramento by the Kings. Nobody knew what the Kings were going to be this year. Good luck to them drawing the Warriors in the first round. But then it became the Never Know Nets. The Never Know Nets. They go on and, and get a win on the road. They beat the best team in the West. I forget who was the best team in the West at the time. I'm blanking on it. But as we go through the season... Ben Simmons is playing. Kyrie comes back by episode 174. We're winning again. Winning cures all by episode 175. The Nets go on a win streak. Their win streak, that wasn't the big win streak. Their win streak ends, and I literally made the title of episode 176. Nets win streak ends, start another one. So then the Nets do start another one. And then in, like, December was when I saw somebody in the chat. We went 18-2. and two. Someone in the chat, let me go back to the chat and see what exactly was said. 
because that's a big part of the season. AJ said, we were 18-2. and two. Kyrie broke the ban up, and now he's not going to the playoffs. Yeah, so you did all that for what? You broke up a, a, a contender with Kevin Durant on the team, <laughs> and uh, you had KD. You had a, a good flow going. You had you actually had a coach. They got rid of Nash, and you decided since you weren't getting your four-year, $200 million max contract deal right then and there um, that you would you know try and force the Nets' hand come trade deadline time. So now we're in like December, late December, and I have an episode 177. No one's talking Nets now. That's because we're on this like win streak. Nets win six in a row. Um, by episode 179, 180, Nets smoke the Warriors. We're ready to face the Bucks. Now we're in third place by episode 181. Nets put the league on notice with the 12-game heater, episode 182. And that 12-game win streak happened when the Nets were going 18-2 and, and two during that time. All was well in Nets world. All Nets fans were thinking, okay, this is the year we're all in. KD and Kyrie are doing what they're supposed to do. We've got a coach. They're they're putting the league on notice. We're all right. But, nah, you know, there's always trouble in paradise, it seems. The never-know Nets, right? And uh, the Nets almost beat the Sixers without KD, episode 187. Remember that because that is an important game. And I know Doc Rivers, I think, mentioned that too. That's an important game when you think about the team. Without KD, there were some guys that will be playing on the floor that uh, went out there and and, and handled business. So uh, Nets go 9-0 and against the Knicks right after that. 118, remember how great Kyrie was lighting up the Knicks in Barclays Center. Everybody's talking about how great Kyrie is. Oh, they got to sign him. They got to give him an extension, all of that. And uh, right after that, we go to TD Garden and get smoked by the Celtics. For our 10th straight loss to the Celtics, that would actually end up being Kyrie's last game with the Brooklyn Nets. You went out sad. That's how you went out. So then we hit an emergency pod right after that pod, 190. Kyrie Irving requests a trade. 191, Kyrie Irving is traded to the Mavs. 192, the Nets trade Kyrie to the Suns. Those are our best performing episodes. All of those were streamed by over 1,000 people. Uh, the Kyrie traded to the Mavs episode was streamed by 2,600 plus people because you know what people love to do? They love to come in and and drink our tears. They love to see Nets fans cry, and they left us for dead, folks. That's what the whole point of this episode is, to recap and reflect on the season that was. A lot of our own fans left us for dead. A lot of our own fans left. Stands, we filtered them out. I remember saying on one of the episodes, you hear that? Listen closely. That's the sound of the Nets stands filtering out and leaving only Nets fans. This Nets world has been built. It didn't look great, right? All-star break. We hit the all-star break. We do the crossover pod with Nets Kingdom. We do the uh, crossover pod with Locked On Nets. And coming out, it didn't look good. Episode 197 did not look good. Not looking good for the Nets. I think we lost four coming out of the all-star break. But then they figured it out. The Never Know Nets are back, episode 198. Then we win three in a row, 199. Then we keep going. The Nets lose to OKC. Now we're getting closer to the end of the season. Never Know Nets lose four in a row. We're like, all right, I don't know what this team is going to be. Maybe they can't make the playoffs. 
Maybe they're going to be destined for the plan. But then, no, big homestand hits. They handle business. Six games left to, to hold the sixth seed, and they do. They get some help elsewhere. Udonis Haslam and the Miami Heat, Heat had nothing. And then uh, fast forward to right now, episode 206, end of the season recap. All is well, right? I can't trip over the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are in the playoffs, all things considered. Kyrie Irving said, oh, I did what I was supposed to do. I left them in fourth place. He ends up in 11th place. Kyrie is not in the playoffs, and I know they say they want to re-sign him. That's none of our business. What about KD? KD, you know, he ends up twisting his ankle, misses some time. I think he's still only played under 10 games for the Suns, maybe seven or eight games for the Suns. I don't think he's lost a game, but they're a four seed, right? You know, you left the Nets in the four seed, okay, and then you went to greener pastures with the Suns. They're the four seed. We'll see what happens with them. But uh, I'll let Hudson Flynn come in to talk about anything that piqued your interest from the season that was, the episodes we had. The story has written itself. And I like the fact that Jacques Vaughn always talks about them writing their own story. We'll see what happens in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and Jacques Vaughn talking about the team writing its own story. Jacques Vaughn wrote his own story. He gets hired. Well, first, first he takes the interim position. Uh, after we fire Steve Nash, he's back in the interim position where he was all those years ago in the bubble. And that time around, the Nets went the the Hollywood route. They signed the Hall of Famer, Steve Nash, for his far- first head coaching gig. We all know how that went. Jacques Vaughn sticks around, stays with the team, becomes the highest paid assistant in the NBA, at least for a time. And now he's back. Now he's the head coach. Now he has the reins. Now he has the control. But he has the control over a different team. A team that does not have championship expectations. A team that did not have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for the entirety of the season. He had them for a little while. He silenced the doubters and he established his coach of the year resume with a you know 20 and 2 stretch over 22 games. He he showed the Nets world what could be done and everything everything was right. Everything was right. Outside factors come in, those two stars filter out, and some new ones come in. And talk about adaptability. Talk about adaptability. He went from having arguably the most talented roster in the NBA with two of the greatest players ever to play the game on his team, and he lost all that. He lost all that basically overnight. And he had to establish relationships, build chemistry, build out a whole new system for a group of players with no one who had been proven to ever be a star, with no expectations, with everyone already calling for his head after some early shambles uh, with losing in, in those first couple games after the trades. And he put his head down, and he oiled up his beard, and he got to work. And he got to work under a lot of stress, under... A lot of duress, not only from Nets fans, but under scrutiny from the NBA. And then what's worse, he did it under disinterest from the NBA. And as the NBA lost interest in the Never Know Nets, the team with no stars, the team that traded away the greatest uh, assembled roster anyone's ever seen before for Mikhail Bridges and some other pieces, he assembled wins. He put together a few short winning streaks and he kept the Nets alive. And though we did fall from fourth to sixth, he kept that team in the playoffs. 
not the play-in, not where they were last year with Kevin Durant, not where they were last year with Kyrie Irving. And we're in the playoffs, and we are in a position where maybe we win a game, maybe we win two, maybe we win the whole series, but either way, we have already surpassed what that team did last year. And now he has a team with a budding young, with a couple budding young stars, some proven veterans, some phenomenal role players, theoretically great three-point shooting, and a whole lot of draft capital with which to go forward and prove that he can be the coach for not only a developing team, but a team full of stars. Because that was the knock, right? That was why he didn't get the job in the bubble era. The Nets could do anything when they were playing in the bubble playoffs. And they did do a lot. And it wasn't enough. But now he has stars. He has young stars. He has players that he can mold into bigger stars. And now he gets the reins. He has a long contract. And he still has a lot to prove. But thinking about where he was and where he has been. And where he has been able to take the Nets in just this past three or four months. Has been absolutely remarkable. And... He has the reins now of a premier franchise in the NBA. And it's still left to be seen what exactly he can do and what he can do with better players and with an offseason to craft a team in his image. But if you're looking at who to give credit for, for the Nets being able to make the championship or the, the playoffs, which feels like a championship, you have to give him credit along with Mikhail Bridges, along with Nick Claxton, along with Spencer Dinwiddie, who became the greatest passer in the NBA for a stretch here. And you can't forget to give him credit because a lot of people do. A lot of people think he still shouldn't be the coach, but he's proven them all wrong. All right, let's get to the voicemails, man. I'm not going to uh, you know, waste any more time because I don't really have any more time to waste. Shout out to everybody that called the voicemail early and late. Let's do it. Hey, what's up, Keith? Hudson, Lundberg. From, I don't know what's going to happen in the series. I'm, I'm hoping that we at least win two games because I don't really think uh, we're going to – obviously, we don't have a good chance of winning. I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, How many games do you realistically think we're going to win? That's a simple voicemail. I think we get at least one, and that is where I set the bar. Don't get swept. If you don't get swept, then you've done better than Katie and Kyrie in their last full season as Brooklyn Nets. So we'll take that as progress no matter – Who's in the jerseys? Realistically, no one is betting the Nets. I think I saw that Philly is minus 1,000 to come out of this series, and they're supposed to. They have the most likely to be MVP and Embiid. They have a former MVP in Harden. They have a bunch of role players that are solid guys, and uh, they have a, a all-time coach. They're not supposed to lose to the makeshift Brooklyn Nets. We win that first game, though, Keith. Anything can happen. Yeah, I know how these series go. You flip that series on its head. First you got a couple players with a with a history of getting rattled. We did it. We did it before the whole KD Kyrie era, right? We took that first game, and a lot of us Nets fans were thinking, "Oh, we got a series." I think you know these guys are going to learn from that, right? Spencer Dinwiddie was with that group. I'm sure he learned from that. And uh, there is some guys on this team like Dorian Finney-Smith who played with the Mavs in the playoffs. On top of Spencer, um, Cam. Johnson and, and Mikael Bridges with the Suns. It's not like they're inexperienced guys. Like, there are guys that have uh, been in some battles before. So I'm excited for the series, but we are going to have another episode, maybe two episodes, uh, previewing the playoff matchup. This is kind of just 
reflect and recap on the season that was. I believe the Nets finished with a better record than they had last year, and they finished with the sixth seed and not in the playing tournament seven seed. So it's progress. I, I get it. The superstar era is over, but good. What a relief. What up, boys? This is Rahala, man. What's going on? Yo, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I'm at the dentist about to get my teeth pulled out. But anyway, I just got to say, yo, the Nets, loving the season. I'm proud of my boys. Uh, despite everything, despite having the head coach being changed midseason, having uh, Katie and Kyrie uh, being traded and having new pieces and looking like we're about to go on tank mode and all, but we got it together last minute and uh, able to get secure the sixth seed. Already have a better record than last year. Uh, in the playoffs, not in the play-in, playing with house money and seeing how the future goes, which is looking bright. I'm good. Doesn't matter what happens with the Sixers. Hopefully we'll get a game or two or win the series, but it is what it is. But I'm feeling good about these Nets. Let's freaking go. All right, guys, I'll holler at you. Good, good, good perspective. Good way to feel. You should feel excited about these Nets going in the playoffs. They're playing with house money. They have nothing to lose. House money is right. I mean, why not? Why not throw a $10 flyer on the Nets to win the series? Why not make that money back? Why not Why not have some hope? Why not be excited after everything we've seen? They've proven us wrong before. Let Shock them prove the us, world. Everyone, let, them, let them prove everybody wrong again. Why not? Why not? That should, that should be our tagline. Shock the world. Hashtag Nets world. Shock the world. You never know, right? Embiid is suspect. Harden is suspect. Doc Rivers is suspect. We know their history. We know their history. We, uh, we're not going to go in there and bow to them either, right? Nets fans are going to make the trip. The Brooklyn Brigade is planning a trip. I'm almost positive of that. And you can make that ride right down 95 to Wells Fargo Center and go root on your team. Have someone. Have someone. Yo, what up, talking Dick? Have someone. You heard Spence? He said we made the playoffs tonight. Have someone. Shout to Rob. Shout to Hutch. <laughs> Have some wine. I know what he was saying. Have some wine. Yeah, I did see an article that the Brooklyn Nets shut down uh, Say Less last night. Hotspot Say Less for a birthday bash till 3 a.m. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, celebrating the big 3-0. Back to that voicemail. Listen, yo, Keith, Pete, we going to make noise over there in Philly. I think we still at first game. And when it comes down to it, we should be upset because – They've been doing this since the beginning. Like I said prior, they the ones who absorbed Dr. J because after the merger with ABA and the NBA, and they didn't get a championship after Dr. J. If our team was never dismantled, we would have been competitive since we got here. And they were part of the reason and they the benefactors of it? Oh, no, nah, they got to get this work. I, I, I think there's going to be an upset. I, I, feel, I feel it. I, this sixth seed and third seed, we only sixth seed because Jacques Vaughn wasn't the coach for the first 10 games. Huh? Talk to me. And and we only six. Come on, man. Don't, I, I'm watch, I'm about to watch the show. I see you about to go on. Listen, man, I'm here, man. Talking next is Brooklyn. Next, we're fitting to win that first game on Saturday. Let's go. All right, that's big fan Breezy. And, yeah, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of storylines between Brooklyn, New Jersey, and Philly. And, uh... I think that all makes for a good series, right? Let's hopefully take it six games, seven games. Let's make it interesting. Let's make it interesting. That's all. That's all I, I think want. it will be. And, like, I'm not saying that because I'm a Homer Nets fan. I'm saying that because, like, what I just said to you, some of these guys are suspect. Some of these guys aren't proven. 
There's a lot of weight on Embiid. You're the MVP, right? You're the MVP. Everybody's saying it. Well, go out there and play like the MVP. It's a regular season award. But now you've got that MVP talk on your shoulders. You have to go out there and score 50. Can you do that against uh, Nick Claxton and Dorian Finney-Smith and whoever else is helping? I don't know. James Harden. This is a team that you limped on one leg and you helped in the playoffs just two seasons ago. Then you quit on last season. Now let's see what you have in the playoffs. You don't have that much time. You don't have a ring. We've seen you come up short. What's the deal? Doc Rivers, we've seen you blow leads. We've seen teams that you've coached that were supposed to run through the playoffs come up short. Let's see it. Let's play a big fan breezy second voicemail. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Yeah, yo, one last thing. I know I just called. I, I know I just called talking that, but I just want to say this last thing. Cam Thomas can fit in the rotation. I've seen that quote by Jacques Vaughn. I know you're probably going to post it. I'm about to jump back in the comments. Uh, when it comes down to Cam Thomas and fitting in the rotation, he doesn't have to marry 29 shots from Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas had 16 field goals made, 16 for 29. He shot over 50% for one, for two. 10 out of 16 were two-pointers. So let him attack to put pressure on the rim. Let him score inside of the three-point line. We already got enough guys. I'm just going to stop you there, big fan. Breezy, appreciate the support, but I just – I think this Cam Thomas conversation is another empty, meaningless conversation that we've had all season. Is he going to help us in the playoffs first round? I don't see it. I don't think they have that in their plans. Now, um, big fan Breezy referred to the Jacques Vaughn quote. Uh, I think it's important for us to read this. I think it's important for y'all to hear what he said. If you didn't, I'm trying to find it right now because he was talking about like, Okay, I didn't even watch the game last night. There was no need to. I was in FanDuel trying to bet on some Brooklyn Nets. They didn't have one Brooklyn Net for you to bet on. And I'm trying now to find Jacques Vaughn's exact comments on what did, what did Cam have, 42 points, something like that? 46. 46. 46. It, it really doesn't matter to, to me or to anything that the Nets are doing right now. Uh, go ahead and get your thoughts in, Hudson, and then I'll pull up the actual quote when I find it. Yeah, I mean, right there's the dream of Cam Thomas being able to contribute to this team. And theoretically, he can. Theoretically, he has the scoring chops too. But at the end of the day, Cam Thomas has not shown, for as much as he has shown, he has not shown the ability to be a not 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 even a secondary piece on this team, a tertiary or whatever the, the word is for fourth level piece for this team. He is not going to be a player for the Brooklyn Nets as currently constructed who is going to be able to take 30 shots a night on a regular basis. He's just not, because he's not as good as Mikhail Bridges. He's just not as good, not as polished as Spencer Dinwiddie. And if he can figure out how to fit into the Nets rotation and to be a rotational player, then then we'll talk. Then we'll see. Because there's a reason that Dorian Finney-Smith starts for the Nets and Cam Thomas doesn't. It's not because Cam Thomas isn't more talented than Dorian Finney-Smith. It's not because Cam Thomas can't score more than Dorian Finney-Smith. It's because it's not all about scoring. It's not all about iso ball. And when you are a player on a team with other good players, you can't just rely on the fact that, oh, I put up a lot of points in garbage time games. Kenny, Kenneth Lofton put up 42 for the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> he put Shout up 42, the big, big, big man out of Louisiana Tech. Getting an opportunity, good for him. I love I love Cam Thomas. I think he has a future in the NBA. I think he's going to be an elite tank commander 
for a team that's trying to get a good draft pick sometime <laughs> in the future. But un- unless he can figure out how to play as a tertiary option on this Nets team, he's never going to have a role here because he's just quite simply not as good as the players he's behind. All right, so here's what um, here's what Eric Slater asked. I'm trying to pause this and play it at the same time. This is what Jacques Vaughn had to say about Cam Thomas yesterday. Yeah, so I wish the score was 134 Brooklyn Nets, 105 Philadelphia. I think that part helps is that the goal is you win as a team. And so 46 points is great, but we end up losing by 30. So you got to attach those together. How do you marry the 29 shots or the 30 shots to being a productive teammate where you might not get that amount of shots in a typical game? Um, That's the question. So can you harness and take that ability and be able to do it in a short amount of time, in a more efficient time, and in a setting that it benefits the entire team? That's the challenge. So, So again, that goes back to what we've been saying the whole time. And from the beginning, when when Cam had those three 40-point games, the first thing they said about it was like, that's great. He, it's history. It's something they can't take away from him. But what was our record in those games? I don't think we won one of those games. So it's like, okay, it's cool if you can go off for 40 any given time. There are, there are plenty NBA players. You've heard guys like LeBron, guys like KD say, say stuff like, oh, I could get 30 every night. I believe that. But are you going to win every night going for 30, 40 points yourself? No. So where we're at with this Brooklyn Nets team, they have enough guys that can score it. They need guys that can pass, that can play defense, that can rebound, that know when to share the ball, make the right play, when to shoot the ball and make the right play. And Cam is in his second year. He's 21. I'm just like, I'm not worried about Cam Thomas. The conversation hasn't changed. Yeah, I'm not worried about Cam Thomas. Like He put up... 46 points on the same day that Theo Pinson put up like a 30 point triple double. So what it's not real bad. It's it's not real bad. The last game of the season where they sat everybody. And of course, Cam told you I could do that all the time, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Next voicemail. I just, I mean, and I get it because there are a ton of, you know, as we're, we're coming out of the KD Kyrie era, Stan culture in this Nets culture. There are a ton of stands. There are a ton of people looking for that star player that they can root for. And they saw that in Cam. But what you got to understand is deeper than that. Like, this is a team that has been put together from February 9th on with pieces of a puzzle that didn't necessarily fit together. And Jacques Vaughn had to try and find a way for them to fit. And in doing that, there was never actually a starting role or a bench role for one Cam Thomas. That doesn't mean he's not going to work on his game and maybe be uh, relied on more next year. But in this short amount of time, in a second half of a season, less than half of a season, Jacques Vaughn and the Brooklyn Nets had to figure out who the best guys were on the floor for them to compete against better teams and win. And he went with the veterans and he went with the guys that uh, knew the game more and bought it into his system and whatever. And I'm fine with that because we're a six seed and we're about to play the Sixers who like, who are you more afraid of them or the Celtics? Who are you more afraid of them or the Bucks? Like all things considered, you wanted to make the playoffs. The 4-5 seed was never really realistic for us. In the 6th seed, going to face Philly, where the Nets have played tough, where our fans can also get into the building against the Sixers club that has had some shaky seasons, and their fans know it. They've come up short. They can come up short again. I don't expect the Nets to beat them in a series, but I do expect the Nets to make that series interesting and fun for everyone to watch. 
Yo, what's up, y'all? Hope everybody doing well. Um, playoffs. We got the Sixers up next. And let me just say this. If we win this series, that entire Sixers team is gone. I would love for the Nets to be the team to take the Sixers down and take Harden down, take Embiid down. After all the trash talk over all these seasons, let's get it done. Let's go, Nets. Hey, Alex, flash the bracket for us when you get a chance, my friend. Did we lose you, Keith? Keith's on mute. Oh, I was on mute. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, the way it shakes out, right? I said, who are you afraid of more? Boston, they swept us last year. They had 10 games in a row, sure. If the Nets somehow beat the Sixers, they're most likely going to meet Boston. I saw some people saying, like, oh, Boston doesn't want smoke with Miami in, in the first round. Please. Like, <laughs> Boston Boston is gladly taking on Miami or Atlanta, whoever comes out of it, most likely Miami. I am not, and again, I will repeat this, I wouldn't bet a dollar on the Brooklyn Nets to beat the Sixers in this first-round series. They're not supposed to, right? Even the percentage right there has Philly at a 92% winner and 8% for your Brooklyn Nets. But what I'm saying is anything can happen if you take that first game, which is vital, then you start making people a little worried. If you can force a game six, a game, whatever it is, like I'm hoping for a good series. I think these guys match up well. It's going to be about stopping Embiid. It's going to be about foul trouble versus these foul merchants. It's going to be about who's officiating this series and how their whistles are, and that makes it all a fun series for us to watch because our team doesn't rely on fouls. Our team can pass the ball, get their assists up, shoot the ball, um, have multiple guys that can shoot and defend. And I think they'll match up well against Harden and Embiid. But it's Harden and, and Embiid. They're not supposed to lose the first round. It's also about expectations, right? The Nets can exceed our expectations, which is awesome. But the expectations shouldn't be to win the series, to win a championship, what have you, whatever it was before when we had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The truth is our expectations are to win one game, maybe two, then they can shock us. They can do more. Any given night, any team can win a basketball game. The Nets have the talent to beat any team in the NBA. Can they do it four times in a seven-game series? Probably not. But let the Nets shock you. Let the Nets shock the world. Let the Nets have excitement around them because at the end of the day, a victory for the Nets in this postseason might only be a win or two to take some great momentum into the playoff or into the into the offseason for next year's playoffs for next season for all that because that's that's when the real championship is for this team did we lose hudson okay hudson is back can you hear me yeah, I could hear you. I guess I guess y'all couldn't hear me. I could hear I could hear you. I can see you. I lost you for a second and I wasn't sure I, it cut out from my headphones. But anyway, no we're, we're wrapping up anyway. So I was going to say put a cap on whatever you got. Low expectations for the Nets. Let them shock us. We'll I'll add I'll week. add to that too cuz I did catch the beginning of 
what you said, right? We were living in a fairy tale, imaginary, fake world that wasn't real with expectations of Katie and Kyrie taking us to a championship last year. They, they weren't able to get a game. The whole team was not built correctly. They, they, you know, we were relying on Bruce Brown. And, like, I don't even remember some of the guys on the team last year. Um, at, at the end of the day, though, we were, we were living in a dream world thinking that Katie and Kyrie were enough to win a championship because the narrative is, oh, you need superstars to win a championship. Well, you don't need superstars to win a series. And I think maybe Jacques Vaughn or somebody just had that quote recently talking about the Brooklyn Nets. You don't, they say you need superstars to win a championship. Well, you don't need superstars to win a series. You need the better team. Whoever is the hottest team from Saturday to Saturday, however long this series is going to take, that will be the team that wins. And if the Sixers are sleeping on the Brooklyn Nets, they're in for a rude awakening. I think Mikael Bridges has a ton of motivation to go back to Philly where he went to school and beat the team that drafted him and traded him. Seth Curry has a ton of motivation to play well against Doc Rivers, his father-in-law, and the organization that shipped him away. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, as an organization, should just be motivated to go in there and play their best basketball against a team that you know they traded James Harden to and help create this number three seed in the East this year, uh, especially you know having to deal with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons will probably show up on the bench. I think they should keep him at home, but he'll probably show up Gucci, Fendi, Louis Prada down, and so be it. Uh, you know, the whole Julius Irving storyline, uh, big fan Breezy put that out there. And just the fact that, you know, these teams are two hours apart. There's a drive that you can make uh, that's two hours apart, that local rivalry feel, feel of just Philly versus New York, right? You, you, you got Philly versus New York here last week with the Philadelphia Phillies coming to town to face the Yankees. You get the NFL playoffs with the Giants going down there and getting smacked by the Eagles. Well, here we are again, Brooklyn Nets versus Sixers. Um, I can't guarantee that I'll be on the next pod because I should be walking into fatherhood, and I got to hold it down for my son and for my wife. So if you don't hear from me, I'm on daddy duty. But Robin will be back, Hudson will be back, and we are trying to put together two collab pods with um, two Sixers podcasts previewing and talking about the series this week. So there should be two more episodes. Maybe they're not going to be on this YouTube right away or whatever, but we'll figure all of that out. Hit like if you're in the chat on your way out. Thanks for pulling up. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. If you're not already, uh, write us a review. Leave five stars. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever else you can find Talking Nets. I think we have a Twitch channel as well. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great season. We appreciate you guys a ton. We don't get paid from doing this podcast. We're not getting any uh, perks from doing this podcast. This is a podcast started by fans for fans, and we're here for the fans. And we'll keep you guys updated as this uh, next week goes and your Brooklyn Nets are in the first round. Playoffs, 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 not the playing against the hated Sixers. That's all we've got. Thanks for watching. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn.